following was an unintended impromptu, after-show conversation between Kajari and 3.30, and was recorded after an episode of the Lotta Linux Links.com Linux user podcast. Now that he's gone, do we just continue? I guess, I guess so. so. Wait, until it kicks us off. <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> Usually how Saturday goes. <laughs> hey, 3.30, what do y'all hope for Saturday? What was that? How do you hope those I I still can't understand you. There's some kind of extraneous noise. All right, hold on. See, I'm calling from a cell phone. Ah. Uh, what time do you hope those Saturdays? Oh, um, we do it right at midnight Eastern Saturday on Talkshoe. Uh, we've we've got a really easy redirect. You can go to live.linuxcranks.info It'll yeah. take you right to the TalkShoe page. Yeah, I had to call in from a cell phone too, because by then I'm at work. Yeah, it's good for me, because it's only 9 o'clock in Pacific time, but... Huh. Which means uh, that right after Vince gets to bed, I can go on Linux Cranks. <laughs> I'm right at the club working, so hopefully all the drunks are in and it's quiet outside. Yeah, there you go. I have a question for you, Kajari. Well, yeah? Actually, I'll solicit your opinion. If if uh, you don't work for... Di- well, they recommend that if you don't do a distribution that you don't compile GNOME on your own. But if you yeah, do basically. work for a distribution, where do you get the documentation to compile GNOME on your own? Uh, I... I think what you do is you hope that one of the GNOME developers uh, also helps to make packages for your distribution. (laughs) And you be really nice to them so that your packages always compile. Now, I've compiled GNOME on my own in the past. I have too, and it worked, except that I couldn't, I was having trouble getting accessibility support working, because you have to put, you have to build packages in a certain order, and the order isn't documented. Even the, even the uh, maintainer of the accessibility packages is unsure of the build order for his own packages, so, uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) No. (laughs) Plus, they develop on Solaris, so that doesn't help Linux users quite as much. I wonder why Slackware gave it up. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, because the the GNOME accessibility, at least, is developed on Solaris, and um, while the rest of the projects are developed on Linux, there's Sun code sprinkled throughout most of the desktop, so... Because Sun manages the Solaris port of GNOME, obviously, so they run it all over the place. So, yeah, nobody's really... You can even run GNOME on Windows, apparently. So, I mean... It, yeah, I need just to find a, that, because I've got KDE running it. Yeah, you in theory you could if you can run I've seen GTK ported to Windows, so you should be able to run GNOME because you're supposed to be able to run it everywhere you can run GTK. Because hmm. GTK is the first thing you install when you build GNOME. You build like it turns out you're supposed to build the accessibility infrastructure and then build GTK and then build GNOME. Which is where I screwed up, because I didn't know that until I got the whole desktop built. And it's like, oh, I should have built that first. 
Thanks. Yeah, thanks for letting me know. Yeah. <laughs> RM-FR slash this whole big system that I built so I can start over. <laughs> but yeah, you should look at the page. They might even have binaries for it. I don't know. But you should look. Because I'll tell you, you Windows 7 isn't nearly as horrible with KDE running inside of it. Because you get to, you know, you don't have to use Windows Explorer. I've, I've been using Conquer. It's just, it's it's almost comfortable. Except that you still don't have a shell, right? Uh, no. And it did blue screen after my first reboot. Yeah, well... If you if you could get a shell installed, then it would be because any OS without a shell is kind of useless, really. Yeah. Let's say I do have Putty running, so I just SSH into my oh well, that's not too my bad, Debian though. box, and then it. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that fixes your your without a shell issue then. Yeah. But assuming that you didn't have anything other than Windows boxes, you'd be kind of hosed. Yeah. Wait a minute. I thought they said PowerShell was included by default with. Um, yeah, but it's not an actual shell. It's a shell that thinks that it's Unix, but really isn't. Hey, there it is. PowerShell version 2. Oh, your prayers are answered, 330. Uh, not really. Because like it still doesn't know what a symlink is. Well, say no. It <laughs> but the problem is, is it's still Windows underneath the KDE 4 looking facade. Yeah, and the, um, who is it that was saying that like RM and whatnot are all just sim links to the DOS commands? Not yeah. sim links, but if you type RM, it's like an alias for yeah, the Dell or whatever, whatever the DOS command is for that. I don't remember. It's been too long. Yeah, it's D E L. Okay, maybe I do remember. Maybe it's because I used it when I was like five, and it just hasn't left the brain. <laughs> Although I love sitting down at a, you know, a broken Windows computer, and you're like, okay, LS. And then it, you know, returns that it knows nothing about that. You're like, oh, yeah. I The forgot. worst one I did was I typed find-name and a bunch of other crap at the desktop, <laughs> and, and, it was, and it was beeping at me, because I never even thought about it. I didn't, I just, I was, walked over to Windows Box, they said, um, where is this file that I need to edit or whatever, and I didn't remember where it was, so I just immediately started typing find, and then the usual find options, and... called in from a sawmill. <laughs> they called in from something. They, maybe that's the maybe that's the Windows machine factory. See that or they're building the third Death Star. <laughs> Bet you they'll close off that ventilation shaft this time. <laughs> yep. Or not. <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Did you get things like Vim and whatnot yeah. installed in? Sweet. What's really good is uh, if you right-click on 
just like anything in the OS, it says it has an option to open with Vim. Oh, sweet. Like everything. And I'm nice. like, oh, I would like that in Linux. <laughs> nice. Well, you could probably add that because you yeah. know that you can. Have you ever edited a binary with Vim? No. It'll actually, if you open, like, slash bin, slash ls, or whatever, it'll let you edit the binary data. Wow. <laughs> and, of course, it converts it to characters that you can display on your screen, and it tries to convert to hex whenever possible to make it easier for you. But you can actually edit the binary. <laughs> Hey, I've almost got this this Windows 7 installed looking usable. There you go. I got, well, I got a Kiga running on it. That's pretty cool, actually, <laughs> that you got a Kiga. What, what you should do is, for the next free Linux helpline, you should phone Call in, in with two... two inst- you should If you have two sound cards in the box, you should phone with both instances of a Kiga. Phone from the Windows <laughs> 7 one. And then phone from the one in your regular install. That would be amusing, I think. Well, crap in a bucket. I gotta go. I'll talk to you guys later. Take it easy, man. All right. That poor bugger is still having grub trouble. I think, I think he's running into the fact that he's, that his grub is doesn't run on Pure 64, so you have to build it with multi-lib, and you, grub has to be a 32-bit executable. It can't be a 64-bit one because the build process passes dash m32 to GCC, so it generates 32-bit code. And I think that's what he's running into because he said his grub seg faulted before I got to stage two. I still don't see why people are you know, just so feverishly trying to do everything in 64-bit. Well, I don't either, except that it's the native mode of the processor. Well, yeah. So the processor... I mean, other than that, there's not really... It doesn't gain you anything. Unless you have more than a gig of RAM, then it gains you something. Well, I mean... Because if you yeah, have a gig of RAM or more, then it helps you because you don't have to enable the high memory support. Let's say, but which you really don't have to worry him. about that until you hit, uh, I think it's three and a half gigs. Well, no, you still have to worry about it because if you don't have high memory support, the kernel can only see 896 megabytes of your RAM. Oh, really? Yeah, so you, as soon as you hit a gig, you have issues with high memory support because huh. you, you've got to enable high memory in order to access the last 100 and however many bytes of 104 megabytes or whatever it is of your RAM huh. so the funniest thing though was that you're going to get a laugh out of this I was fixing a guy's desktop a while ago and they gave him one of those what is it Lenovo uh, something or other desktop, and it came with Vista. Mm-hmm. The box had half a gig of RAM. It was a 64-bit chipset, but they put in the regular Celeron or Sempron processors that were 32-bit. 
Yeah, he got the one that they didn't expect people to buy. <laughs> Apparently. Hey, that was it, the... said, it said Vista Capable on the box, Yeah, that I ended up dumping Arch on it for him, because uh, he couldn't do anything with yeah. Vista. You would, like, load it, and it would just sit there. Hey, but it loaded, so that's all it required to get the, the well, little badge. Well, it load. It sat at the login screen, and when you went to log in, it just had the little hourglass thing that spins around telling you something is loading. Hey, and it would that's, just hang there. That's that's not an issue. That's a feature. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, at least it didn't blue screen, right? Exactly. <laughs> you just got the hourglass screen, which is whatever color that is. I don't think it's uh, blue though. I don't. I don't think it actually changes color because that you know it would make the hourglass spin longer. Yeah. Okay. Because that was a. <laughs> but but he said it was a blank screen because of oh. course nothing nothing can load in Windows unless the login finishes right. Yeah. And so whenever Windows <laughs> does something, it shows you that like hourglass saying yeah. stuff is loading. So he said that it was just a screen with the the, the little spinning. Thing in the middle of it. <laughs> I wish we could have got a screenshot. Yeah. That would have been priceless. Get a screenshot and then use it for the logo for a Linux podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pretty funny. So we ended up... I put Arch on it because that was the easiest thing to bootstrap from the live CD that I had handy, so... Yeah. Um, and it's really if you set it up for a newbie it's not too terribly difficult because I didn't give him root access so he can't break his machine yeah so if he if it breaks then because he doesn't even he's just learning how to type yet so he doesn't even he can't horribly damage his machine so yeah and if he wants to do something that he needs to be root for then I will just SSH in and <laughs> give him a new root password, which I don't know. <laughs> I love SSH. <laughs> oh, yeah. SSH and R-Sync are great. SSH is still, like, new and amazing to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's cool is that... What's cool is that you can run, like... The combination of, like, SSH and screen is cool because you can... You can log into like four different boxes and still have access to several windows on each of those boxes. So it's it's just cool. You can basically do whatever you want to do in a secure way and not worry about stuff getting broken. Yeah. My favorite thing to do though is uh, I use a SSH dash capital X and I'll oh. I'll forward the whole X11 desktop <laughs> over. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. And what I'll do is I'll fire up something like Ice Weasel on a Windows box. Pull it off my Debian box. Nice. <laughs> Every crap has Yeah, I guess it would. <laughs> what the hell is that? You know what you should do? do were, you, did, were you around when I was talking about how people ask me for, like, a pen sometimes. Yeah. And I go, um, no, will a laptop work? Oh, wait, you can't use Romans, you can't use, uh, friggin' VI without a screen. 
<laughs> and they go, what's VI? I go, oh, it's a special editor for blind people, because some people think that VI stands for visually impaired. <laughs> so I go, oh, it's a special editor for blind people. It doesn't work with a mouse, and you have to have the screen disabled before it starts. <laughs> and they go, wow, man, you're really weird. Because these are people who don't even have a clue what Windows is, never mind... Right. Let's say, so. but even say, but even you know beyond that, you know, just any you know, serious VI user seems weird. It's like <laughs> what you you mean you don't use any other input, but those. I, I guess it's not as bad as Emacs. You don't have to have a an extra finger per hand, but. Well, the problem. I have with Emacs is that hitting control and some other letter is fine, but the problem is there's so many key bindings in Emacs that you end up like to save an exit, you end up doing something like control X, control S, control X, control C. And that's like four keystrokes just to exit the damn editor. Well, you're not supposed to ever exit. That is your operating system. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, it's, it's a, I only want a text editor, because I subscribe to the Unix philosophy of, you know, have a bunch of tools that do whatever job they're supposed to do perfectly, and then just pipe them together. Yeah. But Emacs is just weird. I never learned it, because I looked at the configuration file, and it, was like I had no, that was my first introduction to Lisp. I didn't know what Lisp was. I knew it was a programming language, but I'd never actually seen it. And I looked at Emacs, and the first thing I see in the configuration files all these parentheses and punctuation in weird places. And I'm, what the heck is this? Turns out that I look in the manual. Emacs is written in a customized dialect of Lisp called eLisp. I'm like, oh. Nice. So not only is it Lisp, but it's not even standard Lisp. It's like some different specific one to Emacs. So if I want to configure the editor, now I have to learn some, you know, programming language that is never going to be useful anywhere else outside of Emacs so I can learn. It's like, yeah. no, I think I'll just learn VI. It looks simpler and... While it might be a bit harder at the beginning, at least they don't have to learn a programming language. Yeah. I tried to learn Lisp once. <laughs> and failed? Oh, miserably. Yeah, and I, I did even too. Say, I was going through like a tutorial. Like, you know, <laughs> type this and this and this, and it still wouldn't <laughs> compile. <laughs> Man. I was like, what the hell is going on? Well, I should... Um, because people actually... A couple people suggested that I install this speech extension for Emacs because it's supposed to do uh, things like syntax highlighting and announce indentation as you come across it and stuff for so that um, coding is supposed to be quite a bit more efficient. So, okay, I'm, I might install this. I don't know. I just can't get around the fact that I have to 
learn like all all these extra things and this it's just it might be worth it but I don't know if I want to learn Lisp to customize the editor and then uh, all this extra stuff and uh, I don't know but uh, man <laughs> Yeah, I think you got to be an alien to use Emacs or something. Yeah, everybody swears it's a whole lot easier if you remap uh, caps lock to control or use a Sun keyboard. Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, how is that easy? Well, the, fu- the thing I don't get is why people try to type Control-X, for instance, with their left hand. Like, that is it. not... Yeah, that's that's not proper though because you'd have to bend your even if caps lock was your control key, you'd have to bend your hand in some weird ass way. I just like, shift that's why my pinky to hold it. Well, yeah, but that's why the that's why um uh that's why they have two control keys and two alt keys and stuff and two shift keys because if you want shift A you hold the right shift key if you want you know shift G or whatever shift H then you hold the left shift key yeah, I've never done it properly hell I'm the one yeah. that uses variations of GNOME term where you have to hold sh- control shift and X or C whichever or V I guess if you're pasting with one hand yeah. Wow. You, you, <laughs> you're probably going to... See, I have the advantage that when I was learning to type, um, my mother is like... The, she used to teach typing. Ah. And so she's like, no, you need to press the shift key with your other hand if you want a letter on the left side of the keyboard. You press... And so she was... That's what alt and control and shifters... Why they have two of them. And she was like very picky about how I learned to touch type. So my technique is like pristine, which is not common. <laughs> Plus I don't use a mouse, so it doesn't make sense to have one of the one of my hands off the keyboard, but um yeah. So that's why I never get carpal tunnel or any of that stuff. And then I switched to Dvorak later because uh I figured that even if I was properly touch typing, I would still have RSI from all the weird jumps that are in QWERTY at the speed that I type. Because if you have to type, you know, minimum in QWERTY very often, you, if you have to properly touch type that, your hand is going to be very sore. <laughs> or actually, the worst one, I think, is... We actually did. Me and my friend were were designing sentences that would be deliberately designed to be a pain in the neck to type on QWERTY. So, like, they would have a whole bunch of words that are on like one hand, and we tried to have as many keystrokes that were on the same finger as possible. <laughs> Because we were bored, so we were trying to figure out how to... Anyway, so it was amusing.
Hey, they haven't booted us off yet. Yep. I hope this Dave Yates isn't recording this still. But he said he was recording it from the cell phone, right? Uh, no, I think TalkShoe's recording it. Yeah, so if he gets the feed from TalkShoe, it'll have, like, this ridiculously long conversation, and he'll have to edit. Hey, but, but this is all stuff he could use later on in another show. Oh, he could if he wanted to. He could just, you know, interject, you know, like he was trying to drive the conversation, and... Oh, yeah. <laughs> with, with enough editing, you could make this you could make this work out. Yeah, you could, actually. It would just take a while. Too bad Vince didn't bark now instead of during the regular show. Yeah. He'll probably edit that out, though, because I don't think he wants me to... I don't think he wants people to... Vince, quiet, in the middle yeah. of his podcast, I'm pretty sure. But... Yeah, that, uh... That, uh, other podcast we did on the weekend was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of good feedback. Every time I go on somebody's podcast, they seem to like it, so I guess I can't be too bad. I always think I sound like shit, though. But... Everybody does that. Yeah. I don't really like the sound of my own voice for whatever reason. Uh, nobody likes <laughs> nobody likes their own voice. No. Uh, but that was funny. What, who did that interview with Richard Stallman about the free beer? I don't know. Monster B put it up there. That was hysterical. I still haven't made it all the way through it. <laughs> this is funny because he starts out. He's like, "Well, first off, I don't even like beer yeah. because I think people put too much emphasis on getting drunk." It's like, which is the reason to drink? <laughs> I do. I do have to say, I do agree with him because I generally drink because I like the flavor of the oh, beer yeah. that I'm drinking. But, but. It's just funny the way that he said it, and then he, and so then they have to get into the because you have to be careful when you talk to him because he's analyzing everything you say like perfectly. So you, then he goes, well, do you like the idea of a free beer and stuff? It's funny. It's, it's, it's funny. I think it would be amusing though if they just called it free beer because one of the metaphors on the free software page it says it's not free as in beer it's like free as in freedom so it'd be kind yeah. of funny if they actually had a free beer. <laughs> well, say there really is. You can get the the recipe for it. Oh, is there? Yeah, because I was gonna make it um and put I, it in because I was actually gonna put it in bottles with like labels that had you know that had like a a GNU on it. And, you know, oh, like, like the GNU logo, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to do it for a... Call uh, it free beer. Yeah, I was going to do it for a uh, an Ubuntu release party. And, and you should make... And if you do that, you should charge people like, you know, 10 cents for the free beer so that they yeah. could understand that free software is not about the fact you didn't pay for it. Yeah, I think I will. Because that would be such a cool way to get a concept. Mm-hmm. You, they see a big sign that says free beer, and then it's like, but it's 10 cents. Why? To make a point, right? You don't actually want to charge them for the beer because it was free. I mean, you could charge them for the beer if you wanted to. But the point is you should charge something and then make a point of having it called free beer. <laughs> <laughs> Give them all the documentation for it. Yeah, the the the, co- the <laughs> Big beer <ass> recipe print out <laughs> <laughs> for how how much of this you put in it, and how much of that, what type of bottle, and everything. Yeah. Oh yeah, how to build the bottle. 
just in case you know you <laughs> how to the bottle, how to put the cap on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that would go over well. Yeah, then you tell them that. Well, you t- what you do is you tell them that the beer is free, but if they want, if they want the freedom to you, yeah, you you could do something like, if they only pay a little bit, then they only get like two pages of code. If they want the rest, then they get the rest of the you know recipe and so forth. You could do a lot. Of, it would be a great marketing tool, I think. Yeah. Because everyone likes beer and. It would be kind of cool. Well, not everyone likes beer, but a like lot of people like Everyone that matters beer. likes beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I even like beer, and I don't usually get drunk on it, but that's because I have a stupidly low tolerance of, f- for alcohol, and if I drink anything other than beer, I tend to get hammered rather quickly. That's and the way so you do it's it. Like, it well, I only had, like, two <laughs> sips of whatever it was, and it's like, ugh. This sucks. <laughs> I, I stay that way on purpose. Well, yeah, but you don't wake up until 3.30 because you don't have a, anything to get up for earlier than that. Oh, uh, no, it's I can't that do I that stay up until 5 a.m. talking to Peter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. We should actually start doing that, though, with his name because he, he complained yesterday that his na- we were getting longer and longer with his binary digits for his name. So I think we should actually do that. The first time he comes in, like the first time every week that he comes in, we should write it in 8-bit. And the next day he comes in, we'll write it in 16-bit. The next day he comes in, we'll write it in 64-bit. Or no, 32-bit, then 64-bit, then 128-bit, and so on. <laughs> Just keep adding leading zeros. <laughs> and we should make the bot do it so we don't have to type out the zeros. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Let's say the, the bot in Free Linux Helpline, you could actually set it up to do that. Yeah, I know, that's what I mean, because he's always in that channel. <laughs> Man, I'm liking that bot. I'm going to... Yeah, it's a good idea. Say, I'm going to steal all of his configuration and stuff and make it <laughs> Linux cranks and change the name. Oh, man. Oh, dude, it's a great bot. Oh, yeah. No, that bot's cool. I like the... I like the. Did you see the one where I insulted Windows and it came up with... Windows, you are nothing but a petrified sack of yeasty vomit or something like that. <laughs> I mean, some of those insults, I would not have thought of that one. (laughs) I don't know where he gets some of those things, but... I think it's just randomly throwing nouns together. (laughs) Like nouns and adjectives. Yeah, just pulls random ones and puts them together. (laughs) It might be, but it's funny as hell. Yeah. So every once in a while, you get a really good one, and you're like, oh, that one looks like it's pre-done. Like someone yeah. thought that one out ahead of time. Yeah. No. You, you think so. But, but And of course, CyberCod has gone and added a bunch of other plugins. Oh, and He's done some great things. Like, um, he, and he'll take things that people say that are slap-related and add them to the slap thing. Yeah. It's funny. So now you can slap people with a big box of Unix books and <laughs> some... <laughs> So the Mastering Regular Expressions book and other things. And you can slap people in the head with a moose, which I find amusing. <laughs> well, of course you'd find that amusing. 
<laughs> As if you'd be able to lift that. See, I could actually slap people around with a Vince if I wanted to, because I yeah. can lift a Vince. Though it'd be kind of hard to slap with a Vince, because <laughs> you can't really hold Vince in one hand, and it's a little big for that. You really just got to grab him by the tail and get enough forward momentum going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The stupid thing is, he'd probably let you do that. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's, he's just weird. Like, what they do when they breed the dogs is that they they have basically no... They, they, they have their own breeding stock. So the dogs that make it through the program are not at all aggressive at all. They, they just kind of, oh, I'm supposed to go to work now? Cool. Oh, and then I get to sleep when I'm done? Cool. How long do I get to sleep for? <laughs> so, uh, he's he's more interested than in playing with his toys than chewing on people. <laughs> but or at least that's what they tell me. I don't I I think it might be different if he thought that I was in danger or something because you know, he really wants his food and he wouldn't want anything to happen to me because then he wouldn't get his food, but we don't really know. So yeah, you should do that. You should install Emacs in Windows 7 too, just because you can. And then you can freak people out and you can... What you should do is you should install... Um, you should install Emacs and... VI and then sim uh, link it to Notepad somehow so that if they launch Notepad one time they get VI and the next time they get Emacs. Well, so I'm thinking about. <laughs> I'm trying to find ways to just outright pull Notepad out of it. So yeah, well, the, that's what the only editor is VI, and the only I can't pull Internet Explorer out because then you can't do updates. But mm, well, who wants to update that crap anyway? Uh, say, if I'm doing it as a test, because I wanted to see, because I've I've always got this like prescribed way to help people move from Windows to Linux, yeah, to replace all the applications they use, yeah, and then once they get there and it's still screwed up, they can switch over to Linux and it's all the same. Mm-hmm. It's like you just changed everything out from underneath them. Yeah, you just changed the OS, but they already knew how to use the application, yeah. so they don't care. So, like, and I'm doing things... Well, in between those, I always install Wubi. Because I yeah. move people over to Ubuntu just because it's... I don't have to mess with it at that point. I'm like, Well, hey, it's, it's targeted for it's targeted for new users. Unless, so. you, unless you're blonde and you go to school in Wisconsin. Well, yeah, then... You're, <laughs> <laughs> then all bets are off, but... Yeah. yeah. But so th that's that's the only reason I'm running this is to see if you yeah. one to get a feel for it because oh, yeah you know, so that you can actually comes up with know your yeah they go oh my god my laptop's doing this what do I do and I look at it and go huh, I ain't seen that before <laughs> yeah exactly I'd like to do that too to help people use Windows but it's impossible for me to get it installed yeah. so it's kind of a problem but um, or I mean to help people move to Linux like I'm trying to get my mother, for instance, to not use Internet Exploder and Outhouse Excuse and all those things. Because it's just terrible. I mean, I'm, 
because every time, like once or twice a day, it's like, hey, my program crashed. How do I move my file from here? And it's like, look, why don't you just go install Thunderbird? Because uh, it doesn't come with Windows. Well, f- screw it comes with Windows. It actually works. <laughs> yeah, but actually, it's kind of cool because I, speaking of Firefox and stuff, I've actually got it where it it behaves very close to text mode browsers now because they have this mouseless browsing extension which numbers all the links and things on a page. So I can just hit the quick find thing and punch in a link number and it goes over there. <laughs> so if I'm reading something with Orca and it's automatically reading stuff, I don't have to go and tab to the damn link or form field or whatever. Because <laughs> that gets annoying very quickly. <laughs> if you, Especially if you have this massively large web page and you want to click a link that's sort of halfway down the page. <laughs> That is very useful. The thing is, there's so many useful... And I have this other extension that solves CAPTCHAs and removes some of the automatic refresh type things from most AJAX pages, which I find helps because I don't... It's not helpful to have a page refresh out from under you while you're still reading it. It's like... Yeah, you're like, um, I was <laughs> reading that, but thanks anyway. <laughs> yeah, and of course... It's bad because what happens is the page gets reloaded and you get booted to the top of the page. So if you were halfway down the page and it refreshes, you get booted back to the top of the page. It's like, no, <laughs> that was not helpful. Like if it would refresh but not move your your reading cursor, it would be fine, but that's not what it does. It boots does you it back let to you the top know? of the page. Does it let you know that it refreshed or does it just happen and you go, wow, this guy's really redundant. Yeah. Actually, um, in Windows, it just happens. It doesn't let you know. Because I've seen, I've had, I've had people complaining about this in Windows screen readers. Orca is smart. It'll, if Firefox is doing something, because the way Orca is implemented is smart. What they do is, they expect a toolkit to, like a program, if it's, properly built with accessibility support will notify the GNOME accessibility infrastructure, hey, my window just got focused, or, you know, the user just hit the tab key or something. All the events that your window manager or your toolkit sends get communicated to the accessibility infrastructure. So it knows immediately what you're doing. In in other graphical screen readers, like the one for OS X, no, the one for OS X actually works similar to Orca, but in Windows, what they do is they try to construct an off-screen model of what they think should be on the screen at the time. So if, if a page refreshes, the screen reader is like, huh? Where'd the new info come from? And then, so, it just sort of happens, and then all of a sudden the info, the off-screen model changes, but the screen reader didn't know that the refresh was coming, so it couldn't tell you. Whereas, if that happens with Orca, I get a nice, you know, loading whatever, please wait. And then when it's finished loading, it says finished. And the the WebVisum extension, the same one that solves CAPTCHAs and stuff, it also clicks when a page is finished loading. So if you start hearing clicks, then you know your page got refreshed and is now finished loading. So 
it's cool. Plus, um, yeah. And it's also cool that Firefox warns you about pages that automatically redirect, so you, you, you don't just get booted over to some other page unless you tell it that it's okay to have that happen, which is extremely useful, because there's nothing worse than you're on your favorite, you know, Linux weblog or something, and you get booted to peter64.org. <laughs> Which, thankfully, I can't look at, because apparently it's pretty terrible. It is. It's You are the, you are the luckiest person on the planet. <laughs> I, I, it's, and I don't even get the music, either, because he used Flash. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think... I think if you have mPlayer plug-in, you can make uh, Nash. I think you can make it work. I don't know, though. Sorry if I'm not responding very quickly. I'm responding to... Yeah, I'm responding to Gorkon in an email Uh, about cranks going og-only. Well, I think it's good. We have to... Because like Klaatu said on his Bad Apples thing recently, if you don't... And I've agreed with this for a while. One, Og Vorbis sounds a lot better. I don't know if Og, Og Fiora looks a lot better. I hope it does. It but I don't know, because I can't look at it. Good. Yeah, I don't know, because I can't look at it. But if it looks as good compared to the other MPEG formats as Og Vorbis sounds compared to, say, MP3, then you should definitely use it because you should the thing that people don't realize is what i realize is most of the reason that i prefer to use free software is because i trust the quality of it i have never used a free software application that was really terrible because there's something about when you're doing it in your volunteer time it's something you're doing because you want to do so you end up doing your best work then like, all of the GNU stuff tends to be extremely high quality. There are, like, Windows users who insist on installing GCC so that they can do their development because they know that GCC is very standards-compliant and very picky about how it does things. So, yeah, you should definitely support AUG, and if we don't... If we don't use it, then, of course, hardware manufacturers are not going to. But if we get a whole bunch of podcasts that drop the MP3 feeds and enough people complain, we can forward the complaints to the hardware manufacturers and say, hey, you won't support our format. We have 12,000 people or 50,000 people that are using it. You know, do you want to lose that many green dollars? Hey, I got in a conversation with somebody last night. I can't remember who it was. For the life of me, I can't think of who it was. Oh, that's not important. But um, they were asking why people still made non-free software. They couldn't understand it. And there really isn't a good reason. <laughs> the good reason is they don't know. The only good reason is ignorance. Because people... It's unfortunate that the word free in English has 
two way different meanings. Like in French and other languages, there's a different word for free, as in freedom. What we actually should call it, because it's confusing, so what we actually should do is change the name to like liberating software or something. Because. Yeah. Because the thing is, if people see free software, they immediately think of free as in I didn't have to pay for the software. But that's not what what it is. As I said in the IRC yesterday, I would be more than happy to pay for free software. I just want the code, damn it. If I have to pay for it and it's good enough, then yeah, I'll pay the guy to help work on it, if it'll help development. But, so, because I don't have to pay for it, and because I'm poor, I just donate my time instead. <laughs> Yeah. I think it's mostly ignorance, though. I think it's because people, they're used to what they have, so why do they want to use anything else? What kind of keyboard is that? It's very clicky, or somewhat clicky. Oh, my connection must be crapping out. Or there must be a network something or other screwing up. Hang on. Let me, recon Let me reconnect. Welcome to TalkShoe. Where's the damn... There you go. Did that reconnect everything, then? Uh, you don't sound like Zoke anymore, so... Okay. <laughs> that must have reconnected, then. Sorry, Akiga has this stupidly complicated interface that... isn't obvious if you're just looking at it, what the heck it's doing. Well, it isn't obvious because I'm graphically challenged, but... <laughs> I need to, as soon as I figure out how to code things efficiently, I will have to work on a command line client so we don't have this massive waste of resources. But if you can figure out how to launch Nautilus without the desktop thing, that'd be sweet. There should be a menu key somewhere or something you can edit that does that, but I don't know what I'm looking for. <laughs> 
because actually all all I care about is <laughs> all I but all I use is like the run dialog and gnome terminal. <laughs> so, that's I don't <laughs> I don't care. Sometimes I'll pick things from the menu, but that's only because I haven't bothered to look up what the command name is for it. <laughs> but say, I, the, I've noticed that because I use Terminator, which is I have no idea how to explain it to someone that isn't sighted. Yeah, it's but, a terminal um, emulator. Yeah. Yeah, but you can you can graphically split it into chunks. Oh, like, cool! Like if you were so, partitioning a room. Oh, okay. So you okay. can have like one part for one window and another yeah. part for another. Yeah. I guess I can explain it. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, if you were looking, at top yeah, down you at just, it. yeah, you just have to explain it in some way that doesn't require me to look at a picture, yeah. which you just did. <laughs> but um, I I do so much in that. Yeah. And then I well, go outside of it because it's it's just a gnome term that you're splitting yeah. up. Yeah. So I start trying to control shift things in the rest <laughs> of the desktop. <laughs> I can't yeah, figure I've, out why I've it doesn't been, work. I've been guilty of that too, because what I do is I'll use like uh, because Orca doesn't read the terminal as well. I just use Pigeon because it has a script that if I'm in another window and some message comes in on IRC, it will tell me yeah. that I got a message. And if you say my name in IRC, then I get a nice little sound, and I get a different sound for private messages, and you can customize all these things. And so. Um, and then what I did is I installed that. Have you played with that? There's a purple plugin pack that you can install, which makes your pigeon have like all the common IRSSI commands. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's sweet. So it, I don't have to relearn anything that I didn't know from IRSSI. So like, I have the windows in a certain order, and then I know which tab is which. And so if I want to flip to a certain channel, I don't have to go up and click on the tab. I can just type, like, slash win 11, for instance, and it'll go to whatever number 11 is. Or you can use the alt keys, to like alt and the number keys, to switch windows if they're less than 10. Yeah. So that hey, do you know up, how to do the let to do the ones over 10? Uh, you can't with the alt keys, because it only assigns the first nine hotkeys. In in Arisi itself, if you start doing alt Q W well because well, mine's QWERTY, Q W E R whatever the yeah. Yeah. It just it's a second row below that. I don't know if It'll, it works in pigeon. Mm, let me see. Let me see. I have like a whole bunch of windows open. So let me see. I'm gonna go let's see if that works. It might um, let's see what happens if I hit Alt-Q. Nope. That that particular one doesn't. Because Pigeon just uses tabs. Mm. But you could bind it, though. Yeah. You could put something in your... If there's, a, there's a frequently asked uh, questions on Pigeon about how to change the key bindings. And you could... You edit some GTK, I think it's GTKRC or some file that you edit, and you tell it that whenever you press Alt Q and whatnot in Pigeon, it will it will go. I knew that you could do that in IRSSI. I just okay. unbound it because Q W E R T Y 
I could have bound it to something else though. I should have. I oh no, that's what I did. I remapped it for whatever apostrophe, uh, comma, period, and so on. The same keys that are in the same part of the keyboard, but different because I switched key maps. Sam's Which is another cool running. thing about another cool thing about um, Lilo, which is the the bootloader, is that you can actually you can make the bootloader come up in a different key map. That's interesting. Which is cool, so that the only time I have to type QWERTY is when I have to type stuff at a live CD's boot prompt, hmm. unless I've gone in and remastered the live CD like I did with my GRML CD. Which has the advantage that if I get one of those keyboards like we were talking about with the blank keys, mm-hmm. then it would be ridiculously hard to act, get physical access to my machine oh, God, unless yeah. you knew how to touch type. <laughs> and you say, have you to know how to, how to touch, touch type, type Dvorak. I say, or whatever e-mapping you're using that week. Yeah, exactly. Plus, well, yeah, because that's the other thing is I could change the key map on the fly if I was going away. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, a good way to be that's a good way to be secure and of course I typically don't have a monitor connected so the first thing you'd have to do is pull the monitor out from under the desk but if I was going away I could put the monitor in the garage somewhere and you wouldn't know where it was so you'd walk up to a machine that only has a keyboard and a tower and some speakers and the keyboard would have all blank keys so you wouldn't even have a clue what key you were pressing unless you knew how to touch type. <laughs> and then you wouldn't even know if the, if you'd got feedback unless you could understand the synthesizer that I'm using. <laughs> Which wouldn't, of course, work until the operating system had started loading. So if you didn't know that this was the case, you'd have to put in a rescue CD and boot with it. But because there'd be no keys that you could look at on the keyboard, you wouldn't know <laughs> how to, like, reboot the machine. Because <laughs> from what I hear, they, they don't even... Codem was saying that they don't even label the modifier keys. So if you don't know where control is, you're not... <laughs> oh, yeah, gonna... the, the DOS keyboard, there's nothing on it. Nothing on the keyboard, yeah. Which, of course, for me, I don't care, because I'm just getting it for the mechanical switches. Yeah. Because it's turns out that it ends up even even if I was because I was going to buy one after the current keyboard crapped out but because it, it turns out that even though it's a little bit more expensive because they ship in Canada it ends up being less expensive than if I ordered a Model M from Unicomp so that's pretty I'll have to I'll have to do like an HPR thing about keyboards and key maps when I get it Say you would be the person to do it. <laughs> yeah, because I'm the only person stupid enough to remap their key map keyboard. Well, that, and you're the only person that is that intimately knowledgeable about keyboards. Well, I didn't. In, I didn't start out that way. But when you, when that's your primary like, interface. <laughs> when you don't have a mouse, you better make the keyboard as efficient as possible. Because if your keyboard isn't efficient, it's like, oh, well, I'll just use a GUI and I'll click, right? Uh-huh. I don't really have that option. So. <laughs> um, plus, I also have the other disadvantage that I cannot physically write print. So if I want to print something or 
communicate with somebody in a written form that they can read, it better go through a computer. Yeah. Which means I spend a stupidly ridiculous amount of time in front of a computer, not even by choice. <laughs> and so I've part of the reason I got so knowledgeable is it's like, well, you're going to have to spend 12 hours a day or more at a computer, so you're either going to hate it or you're just going to have to accept that that's how things are and learn everything you can about it. So I took the latter approach, but there's a lot of blind people and such that they they do nothing but bitch about how their Windows doesn't work and how they hate their computer, and it's like, no. Just accept that that's your input method and use it. Yeah. And the only reason I bothered to... like. I used to be able to type QWERTY at like 90 words a minute, and it was fine. The only reason I switched to Dvorak is because I used the shell a whole bunch, and actually two or, two of my friends had got carpal tunnel from being on IRC for less long than I usually have to use a computer. So it's like, well, you know what? This is probably hurting your hands. But it's one of those things where you don't know it's hurting your hands until you stop doing it. It's like, wow, that feels a little better. <laughs> so I just remapped it. Actually, and it's weird because I didn't know, like I had tried a couple of those, you know those like Microsoft ergonomic keyboards with yeah. the weird layout? And I found that it broke touch typing because you can't, when you touch type, you're not supposed to rest your wrists on the keyboard, right? Because it keeps yeah. your fingers from bending properly. Well, you can't do that on a natural keyboard. Because if you do that, it hurts like hell. Because yeah. <laughs> where the keys are. So they're designed so that your hands are supposed to be flat on the keyboard, but that's not how you touch type. And so, I mean, if it's the first keyboard you've ever used, it'll be fine, because you can learn to type on that. Yeah. But, I mean, I had, like I said, my mother was anal about making sure that my technique was perfect. Which, that's how I got 90 words a minute on QWERTY, because you don't do that unless your technique is perfect, which is why very few people do that. It's also why very few people get carpal tunnel from QWERTY and are willing to admit that it was from QWERTY. <laughs> Because uh, most people just type with one hand or they use a mouse or whatever and it's not that big of a deal. But if your primary input is the shell, you can't not type a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're just stuck with it. So so I I found out about remapping the keyboard from a post on the LFS list. Someone was complaining they couldn't figure out how to get their keyboard remapped. And I knew how to do it because I read the section of the book and I had experimented with it, but I couldn't figure out why you'd want to remap it. And so then I started doing research and finding out that, yeah, you in fact do want to remap it because it's less work for your fingers. And then I thought, okay, I'll try it and see how well I make out. And then when I noticed that now that my typing speed is to the point where most of the typos I make on IRC are because my fingers are moving too fast and they don't hit the keys in the right order. Yeah, I've got um, that problem too. Yeah, and that happens worse on Dvorak because your fingers are... The keys you need are mostly on the home row and your fingers aren't jumping over each other to hit keys that you need. So... Often, when I think I've made a typo, I haven't. And whenever I make typos, it's because I either leave out letters or I hit them in the wrong order. Because, And on my laptop, I usually leave them out because the keys are very hard to feel that they got pressed. So they'll <laughs> I'll just type in a whole bunch of stuff and find out that half the sentence didn't actually make it onto the screen. 
But, yeah, I mean, I'm in sort of a weird spot because if it would be very bad for me not to be able to type properly. So, And I learned on one of those really clicky keyboards, so I've never really gotten... You know how... If you, I guess it would be like if you took your mouse and you switched it with one that only had like one button, or they put the button in a different place or something, it would really screw you up. So. Yeah, I say it's like if you bought an Apple mouse. Yeah, it only has one button, and you'd be like, "What the hell?" Oh no, the new one has Does no it... buttons. What? Yeah, it's all they're all touch sensitive areas. Oh. You gotta yeah, be so fucking you kidding me. Like if you go to click and drag a selection. Yeah. Like cause you run out of space. Yeah. If you try to pick it up, mm-hmm. it, it loses the like the, the laser loses connection and it it depresses. Bloody hell. Yeah, it's the most annoying thing I've ever heard of. That's just like... Well, it's like whenever I'm, I have my laptop, I always disable the touchpad. Because it's one of those touchpads where you just put your finger on it and it moves the mouse pointer. Mm-hmm. Well, since I started using X, I had to disable the touchpad. Because I would, like, put something... Or I would reach across the keyboard to hit, like... I don't know, one of the media keys or, or turn the laptop off or something, and I'd bump the touchpad and it would left-click and open some window. It's like, no, that is not cool. I think I'll just turn the touchpad off. But it's cool that Linux lets you do that, that you can say, no, don't load the driver for the touchpad. Because in Windows, if you try to do that, or Mac OS X, if you try to do that, it would probably screw you up. Um, did I tell you about the time I crashed the um, the kernel because I typed on a Bluetooth keyboard and I typed too quickly, so the wireless got confused? No. Yeah, I I thought, oh, because I don't actually need to look at a screen, right? I thought, well, if I get a wireless keyboard, it should help because I can, you know, and I, I didn't want to get a line of sight one because those are a pain in the ass because you have to. It's like a remote. you got to put yeah. the keyboard in a certain spot, and it's like, no, screw it. So, okay, I'll get a Bluetooth one, because it had a range of, like, 10 meters, or... Was it 10 meters? No, it was 20 meters. I'm sorry, something like that. It was stupid range, right? So I thought, oh, this is great. I can... You know, I had, and I had wireless headphones, so the thinking was that I could plug the wireless headphones into my sound card and just walk around with headphones and a keyboard and not have to sit in front of the computer. <laughs> And this is great, except that if you're a fast typist, like me, um, which there apparently is very few of those around, if you try to use a wireless keyboard, it turns out there's a millis... First of all, you you couldn't pair the Bluetooth keyboard with with Linux because it, it required some Windows or Mac OS specific software to pair the keyboard because they didn't give you the pin code that it uses. So the only way you could get the pin code was to use the software because it wasn't in the documentation anywhere. So you have no idea what the ID and stuff is to pair the keyboard with. So the only way to use it in Linux was that because Bluetooth isn't up or can't be paired when you boot your computer, what they do is 
by default, they have a proxy mode, like it's a dongle that you plug into your USB port, and then there's the keyboard talks through Bluetooth. So there's a proxy mode that makes the computer think that it's a USB keyboard while the computer is booting. And then when it pairs with Bluetooth, it stops talking USB and starts talking Bluetooth. Well, that never happens in Linux because there's no way to pair the keyboard. So... Um, what, what happened was that there's a millisecond delay from the time that you press the A key until the time that an A gets sent to the keyboard driver in the kernel. So what happened is that I crashed the keyboard by queuing too many key presses. <laughs> and so the thing deadlocked, and I couldn't even reboot the machine. I had to hit the reset button because, of course, the only keyboard that was plugged in was the Bluetooth one. <laughs> So then I thought, okay, well, I'll try it on a Mac, because I had the G4 tower sitting there, and I'll try it on the Mac and see if OS X does the same thing. Because I, I thought maybe the delay was because of the fact that it was doing this weird USB proxy thing, because I wasn't pairing the keyboard. So, okay. Well, actually, first I thought it was the fact that the Bluetooth keyboard was defective, so I took it back and got another one. And... And then I realized that, no, the Bluetooth keyboard is fine. It's just that the, it's not pairing properly. So then I, okay, I'll check with Mac OS X. So I plug in the G4 tower, and I plug in the keyboard. And this time, of course, the Mac goes, oh, you plugged in a Bluetooth keyboard. Let me pair it for you. So it does that. And I'm thinking everything is fine. So I go into uh, uh, the usual work that I would do. I launched a... a I started an IRC session in some client that was accessible with VoiceOver because I figured this would be a good test. And I start beating away on it as per usual, and exactly the same thing happens. I crashed the OS X keyboard driver so that I could not reboot the machine. I couldn't do anything. It was just deadlocked. <laughs> What was that click? Oh, I had muted my mouse because my two ah. smaller dogs were being a pain in the ass. Yeah, so that's what happened. I crashed OS X's keyboard driver, too. Wow. So then I thought, okay, well, it says, because on the box it says it works with Windows and Mac OS X. So I walk over to the parent's Windows box, and I plugged it in. Hey, I wonder if it works any better here. So I type on it and crash it. Then I set the key map to QWERTY and got her to type on it because she's an, she's an expert typist and she types quickly too. So we both crashed the Bluetooth keyboard on Windows. Wow. So we just decided that Bluetooth is only meant for one-finger typists or people that you know, don't really know how to use a keyboard. <laughs> Uh, so and then I took it back and got a USB keyboard instead, which I haven't had any issues with. And they were more than happy to, they were more than happy to uh, exchange it. So, uh, it was, so that you didn't was, show back up again. That's all it was. <laughs> yeah, it was probably like, woohoo! Well, and I guess it helped that the USB keyboard that I bought was a hundred dollar keyboard, so it was in the same price as the Bluetooth range. So uh, I guess yeah. that. 
you know, because I don't tend to buy cheap keyboards because when you use the shell as much as I do, if you buy a cheap keyboard, it'll be dead in a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's like anyone that does something, you know, extremely seriously. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you, you don't you have, go you buy the buy cheap call. one because it's going to be broken. Yeah, yeah you're exactly. Gonna, you'll spend more replacing it than you will if you just bought if it you just, the first time. Yeah, that's why I don't bother with onboard sound, because by the time... <laughs> By the time you go and... What's the point of buying really good speakers if your sound card is so shitty that it can't reproduce any of the frequency range anyway? Uh, and then, of course, the cat ate my really good speaker cord, so now I have to get new speakers and I need a new power supply because I think Speak Up killed it, but... Yeah. But, yeah. That's I say you're talking to the dude that you know, download the, you know, like, pulls the low-quality MP3s that people put up on their site to, uh, to try and coax you into buying shit. Yeah. I'll just download those and listen on earbuds. So, yeah. Yeah, well, earbuds <laughs> are such that they're, they sound so shitty anyway that low-quality MP3 yeah. is actually not going to sound that bad because you can't earbuds are so tinny that you you can't really hear half the frequencies anyways. I was saying, even if I it's, did have proper, you know, decent headphones or speakers, I still wouldn't be able to hear them. Well, I think you would if you knew what you were looking for. Dude, I've been to way, way too many punk rock concerts. Oh, okay. Maybe you wouldn't then. <laughs> I don't hear much of anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. So beer sounds much like ear, I guess. Eh? Eh. We'll say like I had a bunch of. About the only thing I can really tell is there are a bunch of old um, black flag recordings from the like early '80s. Yeah. That they did on a four track. Ooh. And I can tell the difference between those and everything else, but. Yeah, because those are so terrible that yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd make but, your ears bleed yeah. to even think of listening to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm more of a you know, the enjoyment of the music, not how good it sounds. Well, I think they're sort of one in the same. Like because I noticed, that I didn't realize. Like I just sort of I looked at the documentation and it said that it recommended Q6 for music for Ogvorbus, so that's what I started encoding at. Because I didn't really understand the quality metric that they use. Uh, like, I'm, okay, Q6. If it says it goes to 10, maybe Q10 is good, but they recommend Q6 should be good for most people, so that's what I tried. But when me and Cobra 2 were yakking about quality settings, and he has better equipment than I currently have because by the Cat 8, my speaker cord, and I'm using the onboard sound. So he goes, well, why don't you try Q7? It's not that much bigger. Well, I tried Q7, and I, because my speakers are so crappy, I plugged in some, some headphones so I could hear it better. And it was like I was hearing notes that I couldn't hear at the other quality setting. So that made the music more enjoyable, because now all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of different sounds that I didn't get before, and it's like, wow. I mean, it's... It's still not flack, but it's almost close enough to flack that it's usable. Like, it's not quite flack, but 
on the shitty equipment that I have, the difference is so minimal that it doesn't matter. And even when I get better equipment, because he tested it on a system very similar to what I was using before, and he said it didn't really have artifacts that were terribly unpleasant. So, yeah. But So I think it does depend a little bit on what you're... It depends what you're listening to. If you're listening to punk, there isn't a lot of different sounds that you're going to enjoy anyway, because all yeah, you have but, is... But if you're there's listening only six to, notes per song anyway. <laughs> well, well, yeah, so you're not... But I mean, I was testing it on some, you know, Beethoven and some other stuff. Yeah. And it's like, oh... I didn't realize that... Like, it was to the point that even though it was compressed, I could still hear most of the fret noise on the bass. That's that's pretty interesting. Which, I mean, I couldn't hear quite all of it, but the stuff I couldn't hear was like... Maybe the initial attack was a bit quieter or something. Like, it was, yeah. it was to the point that the only reason I could have told the difference was because I'm a musician and you listen for minute changes in sound so that you don't, you know, you sound somewhat musical, right? Yeah. But I mean, it was to the point that in a blind test, I would have been hard pressed. If somebody just walked up to me and handed me a couple of files and said, which one's flack? It, I'd get, if I wasn't familiar with the files and if they weren't necessarily music files, it would be anyone's guess whether it was yeah. FLAC or Q7. Because <laughs> we always test with music files, but if you test with, like, tone generators, the quality is so good at Q7 Og Warbus that if you weren't already familiar with the type of sound you should be hearing, there's no way in hell you would tell the difference. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, in your case, you you could probably encode punk at Q0 and still preserve most of it. I'd be like, wait, there's tones? What is tones? I thought tone? this was an empty CD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny. But no, I'm I really don't know why more people don't use Argvorbus. I suppose the hardware player issue is is a problem. But I mean netbooks are getting so damn small these days that you could buy one for the same price you'd buy some of the portable media players. Like I mentioned that on the channel, I'm like, well, I kinda need a portable player for my podcast and they're like, Why don't you just get a netbook? I was like, yeah. Especially now that you you can stick so many of these distributions. See, this is what's cool. Part of the reason I use GNOME as well instead of SpeakUp is I don't have to patch the kernel or do anything fancy. I can, If I just want to use any distribution that has GNOME installed, I can get Orca. So I can throw somebody or others EEE Ubuntu or whatever the heck on a... And if we make OpenBox work with, you know accessibility, then I could conceivably dump, like, Crunchbang or something on a yeah. EEPC and just have it work. Which is extremely useful, because there's nothing more annoying than not being able to get at your computer. Yeah. Saying, I think that, like, the 10-inch Triple E has, like, an almost full-size keyboard. Yeah. Oh, I would so, definitely need that, because I have, I have very... Um, big hand like I have very big hands and I have really long fingers so they don't f long fingers and small keyboards do not work well yeah 
Uh, so like I found with the triple E, it's not that the, the keyboard is small. It's that there's not a lot of movement on the keys. Oh, it's like a laptop keyboard then, yeah. where you hit the key and you don't know if it got pressed. Yeah, but it, I can, it's I even have, worse I can, than most. Yeah, because I mean, keyboard. I can... Yeah, my laptop is flat too. Like I can barely oh. type. I can barely type on my laptop keyboard. That's why right now, even though the big box is down, I've got a, I've got the lid closed on my laptop, and I've got a USB key, my regular desktop USB keyboard that I use plugged into the laptop. Because well, you've seen my typos on my laptop, right? Yeah. The times where I was away and I came in on IRC and like you'd get half a sentence. Because I can't, if I can't feel that my key got pressed, then I assume that it did. Because I need, like, I don't look at the screen when I'm typing, and I don't look yeah. at the keys when I'm typing. So I think of saying something, and I type as I think. And if it doesn't come out on screen, I have no idea, right? Yeah, so we were actually, <laughs> you had, I think you had gone away or something, and something hadn't come out right, and we were talking yeah. about. We were talking about um, having, you know, whether you had it reading back to you or not. And yeah. I was like, can you guys imagine how annoying that would be? Yeah. Like, all right, I thought it, I typed it, now I have to hear it again. Well, exactly. And not only that, but imagine that, like, I know people, for instance, if you install Orca by default and you don't change any of the settings, it will echo every single keystroke that you type. Oh, my so, God. If you press an A, it's going to... Like, if you were t going to type the word, word, what you would hear is W-O-R-D space, you know, and so forth. Wow. And that just breaks rhythm, right? Yeah. Because how you get quick at typing is the same way that you get quick at musical instrument. It's a rhythm thing, right? You And if you can't build a good rhythm where you you can think and type and think and type and so forth then you can't be efficient at it. So all the touch typists that I know that are blunt have key echo turned off. Uh, in fact, the only time key echo is useful is so that you, if you're, like, if you're trying to learn a new... The reason it's on by default is because they are hoping to target the new user who's never used a computer. <laughs> and so they don't know that... Um, the key that they pressed is in fact the A key, so they need confirmation. And I, I used it because when I switched key maps to Dvorak, I had to. I switched cold turkey, which was probably a very bad thing to do, <laughs> but I figured I would learn it quicker. But I mean, talk about hell in a shell, man. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I, 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 I couldn't even type LS, so it's like, alright, you know what? I'll just slow this thing down and try to be accurate and turn on key echo and memorize the layout. So I memorized the layout. Well, I t found a course, which I still have bookmarked, and it basically it told you, you know, your home row is this, and your, and then it went through each finger, and it said, okay, you know, P is your left index finger moving up. Okay, I can deal with that. It went through the whole keyboard and described which fingers were supposed to press which keys. Which is perfect for me, because I was like, okay, so I know which fingers belong on which keys, and I already knew how to touch type QWERTY, so I didn't have to learn how to touch type, I just had to relearn where the keys were. But, so I turned key echo on for that, because I didn't want to take my hands off the keyboard to see what I had typed. But for the most part, I type so quickly that 
key echo would be useless. It would basically just queue up speech events to the point that you'd end up crashing synthesizers. Because if Orca had to speak every keystroke that I pressed, the synthesizer would be constantly speaking and it would it would just be useless because it would it would you'd get into this like all you wouldn't even hear the complete key press. You'd hear or something close to that, and it would just it, it just wouldn't be helpful. So, yeah, generally when I type, I expect the key that I typed to get pressed. And if that doesn't happen, it's like, well, I found that out now, so now I've got to be slower. But it doesn't even matter how slow I type. I could type really slow on a laptop. But like you say, because I've even seen you screw up on your EE keyboard for the same reason. And it's like, oh, he must be relying on the same problem that I had with my laptop where the, you don't feel like the keys are being pressed down because you're, you're off looking at your screen, right, yeah. instead of your keyboard. So, yeah, you don't feel that the key got pressed, which is why – and, of course, I learned, and I think everyone that wants to touch type should use a mechanical switch keyboard like the, the Model M with the springs or whatever because I learned on one of those. So when I, the first time I got a like a modern keyboard, it was like, this is weird, man. Because I'm so you're so used to. Because when you if you hit a key on one of these other keyboards, not only do you feel the key get pressed, but you feel it get released too. Yeah. So you know that you typed exactly one U. You didn't accidentally. Because sometimes what'll happen is I find myself on the modern keyboards. Because I don't know that a key got pressed, I'll hold it down a little longer, or I'll hit it harder, which has <laughs> unfortunate side effects. If you hit it harder, you wear out the foam rubber thing under the keycap quicker, yeah. and if you hold the key down, now you might have three T's instead of one. And I could turn off key repeat, but there are times where I actually want the key repeat functionality. Like if I'm, you know... If I turn off key repeat, then I uh, can't, you know, do something like, um, you know, hit, oh, I don't know, like, if you're quickly going through a document in Vim, for instance, and you just want to scroll down some random number of lines because you're not sure where in the file you need to be, you can just sort of hold the J key. <laughs> but if you turn key repeat off, you can't do that. Plus, key repeat is the standard default behavior, so you should try not to hack your keyboard. You can hack anything else on the computer, but you don't want to be hacking the way a keyboard works any more than you have to, because that's like your main interface to the machine, and if that doesn't work properly, you can run your, run yourself into a whole pile of stuff. Like the time I accidentally... um. Well, I was doing a Slackware install, and SpeakUp was misreading the dialogue, so I accidentally had selected left-handed Dvorak instead of just the regular standard one. <laughs> Which was not cool. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I don't do that. See, I've, until recently, I had tried to not mess with anything. I tried to keep everything about as default as possible because I was constantly, you know, 
I would constantly come across people that had no idea what Linux was. And I'd go, yeah, oh, well, see. it's like, you know, and I didn't want to give them some kind of, you know, one, it could be a taste issue, you know. You know, if I have a bright green, uh, if, you know, if I had colors that were not complementary, yeah. you know, up against each other, you know, it would look bad. They would think, wow, Linux looks bad. Yeah, it would be the equivalent of somebody having, like, a a sound file with a that big, or the equivalent of somebody playing two notes that are supposed to be in harmony, but they're not, so you get this ridiculously jarring and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to make it. You know, I didn't yeah. want to make it look bad. So, and I of just course, my things. my desktop is so customized that if you look at it, especially if I figure out how to turn that Nautil- uh, the Nautilus desktop thing off, yeah, you'd get a desktop and like. And what I'm actually thinking of doing is because I always have a GNOME terminal open. Is I'm actually thinking that I should turn off the Nautilus desktop thing, and turn off the splash screen so that as soon as I log in, it dumps me to a terminal. Because then I, even though I can't use SpeakUp because it's in the kernel and is a pain in the ass, at least I could log into GDM and it would look like I had a shell immediately because that's generally how I like things. But, yeah. you know, some new Windows user, they would see a... Um, the other thing that would be cool is if you could get the terminal to come up in full screen mode instead of have so I, that's one less key press I have to press. But <laughs> you might be but able anyway. to to script that. Yeah, I'm gonna look at that. Maybe I can do some fiddling. But point is that if if it, sighted people saw my like I've been. There's been times where in the past where I haven't been running X because I've not been able to, where I've had... Because one of the other things that's cool about GNOME Terminal that you can't do from a console is you can make the screen ridiculously large, which means that I can set the screen resolution to something stupid because that way I don't have to um, scroll the screen as often in the terminal. So I can, because if I have to scroll the screen, it's a one more keystroke I gotta press. So I don't do this now, of course, because I found out that if you the side effect of that is that if you over enlarge the screen, you end up um, like I just for the hell of it, I set GNOME Terminal one time to use one point font, and I set the screen resolution to something like nineteen twenty by fourteen forty. Holy damn. So it had something like... <laughs> it was to the point that that somebody would send me an email message and the entire email message would be on one screen line. Wow. Because <laughs> it had something like 2,357 2, characters per line and there was something like... 15,000 lines in the terminal, or it was something stupid. <laughs> or was it 1,500? Either way, it was retarded. Because, And so then I found out that, you know what, it's really not useful to, to fiddle with the screen resolution and move the, make it so the screen is so large that email messages show up on one line, because if you need to review the text in an email message and it's all on one screen line, it becomes very difficult. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> because, 
screen readers only know about lines and words and characters. So if you have one long email message on on a line and you didn't and you wanted to quickly review and quote something that was said in the middle of it, well, now you have to go word by word because you only have one line, so you can't review line by line, which would be the natural way to review large, somewhat larger chunks of text. <laughs> so I quickly put it back to whatever GNOME defaulted to. <laughs> and now I don't make ridiculously large screen sizes anymore. <laughs> because I've discovered that that really isn't that useful. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> but it was cool that I could do that. Oh, I yeah. mean, I thought... Because the other thing is that if I needed a larger screen, I could put it at, like, 72-point font or something. And, and, you know, it's... But you can't... You don't have that kind of flexibility with a console because it's not in graphics mode. And even if it's using the frame buffer... You can make it a bit larger, but then you slow down the speed of your console because now it's got to launch in, in sort of a pseudo-graphics mode, and it's just not really as efficient as using X to control because X was designed for graphics and text consoles were designed for text. So, um, yeah. I just find that that works better. Yeah, I started all... playing with the uh, the geometry settings for um for GNOME term because oh, cool. I actually I actually run X on my server. Oh, because I I use it kind of as a second monitor for the same because mm -hmm. like I'll run Erisi on the server graphically it's there and mm -hmm. then use screen to connect it on my desktop but. The way the cool. monitor's set up, it's just right in my peripheral vision. So when it scrolls, I see that there was movement, and I, you know, I flip over into my, yeah, my terminal and look. Kind of like but, um, how if, if I'm doing something, in like a, document or whatever, or in a terminal window, which see most of what I the reason that I use X is because it does exactly that. Orca can let me know what's going on in another window, whereas SpeakUp can't. It can only read one item at a time. Okay. So Maybe. I do exactly that. So if I'm if I'm reading a like a, something in Firefox or a terminal, and I hear message from blah blah blah, it's like oh, somebody is talking in IRC. Cool. And then if it's directed at me, I get a nice little sound. Hey, oh, somebody wants my attention. <laughs> so yeah, I played with the. Geometry settings so that I can yeah. actually SSH in from my mobile. Nice. And use Erisi. Nice. Yeah. Saying That's I, extremely I freaked cool. Out. Uh, yeah, I freaked out my brother. I did a uh, an app to get upgrade. Yeah. From my phone, SSH <laughs> in. He was like, "That's ridiculous." That's cool. <laughs> But I think I will get when my laptop dies. I'm actually thinking of getting a, uh, one of the EEPC things because when I have my big box up, the only thing I use the laptop for is you know whenever I want to be portable. Yeah. Because normally I don't. That's what I have a laptop for. It's to be portable. But 
And then I could do stuff like I could have, um, you know, I could use the EEPC um, to do stuff like if I want to go outside and be on IRC, I could do that and uh, whatever. And it has a USB port, so I could plug in a big keyboard. So I couldn't. I think what I would probably do is, since I'm terrible at typing on small keyboards, and and the fact that it's like a laptop keyboard and doesn't doesn't have a lot of movement on the keys, because um, if you're typing on it, then I most definitely will. Oh yeah. Because I can't even type on my damn laptop, but we already knew this. <laughs> so I'll probably plug in the big keyboard, and you know, and if. Plus, it's smaller than a laptop, and mostly what I use my laptop for is to SSH into the big box when I'm outside anyway. Yeah. So it's... <laughs> Do you have you know. trouble with, uh, like, SSH and screen lagging? Yes. Okay, because yes. that makes my typos even worse, because... It makes mine worse, too, because you don't <laughs> you know when... You're typing and nothing's happening. Yeah, it's like... Okay, where did my key go? Because you'll, you'll do something like Control-A-C and you'll start typing in the shell thinking that you've got a shell window up, right? <laughs> Only thing is that it took like a while for your thing to actually create the window and so then you just get this burst of like the last ten things that you typed. <laughs> it's like, okay... <laughs> hey, it's worse when you can see it because you're you're hitting the key, you're hitting the key, and nothing's showing up. Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? Uh, Why is my key hitting the screen? There's, there's something wrong with the key. You, know, you yeah. hit it harder because there's something jammed underneath. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, and then you have like 14 Fs, and you're like, shit. <laughs> and then it lags when you're backspacing, so you you backspace over everything else. Well, I'll give you I'll give you a hint. If you need to backspace the if you're in a shell or if you're in IRSSI or anything that's using read line with mm-hmm. the Emacs key bindings, if you press contr- if you hit control E, it'll put you at the end of the line, and then if you hit control U, it'll delete everything from the end of the line or from wherever your cursor is to the beginning of the line. Ah. So, like, because I always do that, in fact, it's it's a bit of a um, strategy that I have, because it turns out that Lilo does the same thing at the boot prompt, if or ISO Linux. So if I boot from a live CD, I immediately start wailing on Control-U, because that way the Control-U will, it, it'll look like there's keyboard activity, so it won't time out when I when I get to the boot prompt, but it also has the effect of clearing anything that was previously on the line that the bootloader puts up. So then I can just type in whatever parameters I need to pass to get something that I can talk at when I'm, or that can speak when I'm booting. And so if you hit, so I almost never use the backspace key because if I need to delete something that I type, there's keys on the keyboard to do that. Backspace is really only meant for, like, single-character deletions. But I'm such a good typist that I generally type it right the first time. Unless my keyboard doesn't click and the keys don't press and, yeah. <laughs> or you're 
your screen session lags and your, your <laughs> yeah, or my screen and... session lags, and now <laughs> I've got. Damn it! And it's worse when you're on flaky wireless at a hotel because you you expect there to be a bit of lag, so then you start wondering if your wireless in fact dropped your connection, and then you start running, you start pinging the wireless network to see if it's up, which makes your screen lag even more. Oh man, yeah, no, that that's definitely a bad thing. The other thing that I noticed was if you use 1000 hertz timer interrupts and you have a multi-core processor, it turns out that the computer, if you look at the kernel messages, it initializes one timer per CPU. So it ends up interrupting itself to pull for events so often that your key presses lag. So, yeah, I I don't think I'll be worrying about that anytime soon. I am yeah, poor well, and single processor. <laughs> well, I got the very early dual cores, but my laptop is a single processor. But yeah, so, I can't wait to be able to actually have some money. I'm going to get the... Uh, I keep telling myself I'm going to buy that Lenovo that has two screens on it. Yeah. There was a... I think it's a ThinkPad that has yeah. two, has a pull-out screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... It starts out at almost $4,000. Wow. You know, actually, what I'm thinking of doing... Because you said you don't have any money. I don't have any money either. We should start a company or something so we can get money. <laughs> I but, tried that. It's really hard to do a software company. Oh yeah, no, it's you don't know stupidly. how to code. Well, <laughs> I can code, but I don't know anything about business. I say, really, all I know about is communitizing the community. Oh yeah, because well, you took your <laughs> you took your business courses from Jono. Yeah, pretty much. So there needs to be a community of people to communitize the other community yeah, of people, that's, that's which really are part of the overall greater community of the communities. Yeah. Or something similar to that. And you I have think to you work just, in a beard there somewhere. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> or, or, or maybe it's the bearded community of, of death metal <laughs> community bands that organize the greater Ubuntu community of the Linux community. Hello? 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 How goes it? Good. Who's on here? The same people that were on here when you left. <laughs> I was wondering why in the world y'all hadn't stopped yet. I was getting ready to call. No, it's been recording for it since you, since you, you left. Uh, I finally figured out. The, the, I got on the it hasn't booted us out. off yet, so we were just talking about random stuff. So now you're going to get this massive recording. Hey, that'll work. That'll work. Uh, I fear you, you can, can cut it up later and put it into future episodes. I may do that because I, I don't have time to listen to it all tonight. But uh, I figured out you Star 21 and I hang up. So I, I, I we're in the call, but so okay, I learned something then. I thought because I had it scheduled for two hours, I thought, well, I thought that's as far as it go, but that's cool. <laughs> no, it's it's going and going and going. I may, I may, this may be my HPR episode this month. That's what y'all recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, if it, in any case, it should be credited to my account because I just, I suggested that we just keep talking until it boots off. And three thirty, three thirty said that it was that you, what they usually do on the cranks, which is true. So yeah, we talked so like we'll, five a.m. and eventually we'll, we'll just call out. it. We'll, we'll just call it me and three thirty's HPR. That and people can 
Because <laughs> Enigma's streaming for content, so there's an hour of crap. I can shut it up and I can post it on my web server when you all download it if you want to use it. Uh, sure. Hey, there might be what... something usable in there. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't I don't know, know what, what the hell about. we'd want. I don't know. Well, you were just talking about random stuff, like <laughs> like how to get people not to use Windows. <laughs> well, I'll do whatever y'all want me to with I mean, is I mean, y'all's content? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I can I can have it as like extra after show content, or I can I can put it on my site, you know, and give one of y'all the link to it, and y'all can y'all can use it, whatever. Well, if you if you want, if there's something usable that you want to edit out of it, go for it. Okay. I mean, we, we unless you have a problem with that three thirty, but no, I as far as I'm concerned, this is public domain. Have fun, okay. buddy. Yeah. Well, I mean, if people are that interested in the fact that <laughs> our screen sessions lag repeatedly and we can't type on laptop keyboards, then well, if y'all think it's worth publishing, y'all can publish it, or I can, or we can just act like it didn't happen. It's I, I, like I said, it doesn't I'm, matter I'm, to me. It's a, nah, okay. I've I've said worse things. <laughs> okay. All you need to do is see season zero of the Linux Craigs episode where I didn't realize it was supposed to be a, a podcast. I thought it was just a bunch of people that were already drunk anyway, so I was trying to act as drunk as possible. And yeah, anyway. <laughs> Y'all want it or not? Uh, I don't care. Unless I, I, you want I, I it or really something. I don't care either, man. <laughs> you can do what you want. If you want to kick us off, I can I can hang up too. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I can, can, I can hang like, up too. Can put it get, put it together. Just give me a okay. chance to check out the the change. The, try the Star Twenty One thing. See if it works. Oh, okay. Yeah, you can boot us off if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, I almost hate to do it, but I need to get at it. <laughs> well, you got to have podcast to edit, so yeah, boot us off if you want to. Okay, we're I, not well, we're, I, we're I not like as important as you. Yeah. We don't have podcast to edit. Yeah. <laughs> All right then. All right. Okay. Okay, bye. That was funny though. <laughs> you come back in. It's like who's on the call? It's the same people that was on when you left. I couldn't figure it out. I was sitting there hitting the screen, wondering what is it? Is the call going in? And I was afraid to start the web interface. I thought, well, am I going to mess it up? You know. Yeah, then I was like, wait a minute, that sounds awfully like Dave Yates. What the heck? I thought he said he was going to go home and edit the podcast, and then I realized that it was still on the. <laughs> I'll learn something. Okay. I'm gonna kick y'all off now. Okay. Okay. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye. Did it work? Uh, no. You can't get this off. I think I am gonna get off here. And we're, try we're just gonna have to hang up anyway. Cause he can't. He can't kick us off even if he wants. To. Oh, That's God. funny. I wonder if it's like TalkShoe does that thing where they don't schedule calls anymore, and you can just it just automatically yeah. keeps the call up. Because remember they changed it this month, and you set up that one line so people could just randomly phone in. Yeah. I wonder if they just changed it on a global scale so that calls oh God, are no longer not. scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm not going to torture you anymore. I'll 24 hours of Vince barking. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you later, uh, Yeah, bye. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.